Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, Go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today.
Cormac Culkeen and Dave Grennan are musicians and songwriters who are very proudly based in Peterborough, Ontario. After befriending each other at Trent University's radio station and realizing that they have a lot of shared interests when it comes to sound and music, the duo eventually formed Joyful Joyful, one of the most powerful and compelling live bands I've ever seen in my life. At long last, their self-titled debut album will be released by Ide Fix Records on April 29th, 2022. And so Cormac and Dave joined me for a nice, fun, extensive conversation about vitamin C and an outfit adorned with oranges, the musicality of the world we're in, and the sounds that we're surrounded by, their utterly unique approach to making music, songs written about and for saints, Cormac's complicated relationship with the church and why they were exiled from it, Christianity and queerness, their respective roles in Joyful Joyful, being a producer, upcoming tour dates, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control to sustain this podcast plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario this is episode 683 of Creative Control featuring the lovely and talented Cormac and Dave of Joyful Joyful with your host, me, Vish Khanna Hey, Cormac, how you doing? I'm really well. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Where in the world are you? I am in the center of the universe, Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, you like to think it's the center of the universe. I remember this. I remember you guys, you all thinking that. Yeah, that's true. Listen, yeah, how th- it's hometown proud and like, but it's beautiful. I love being in Pete. I like Peterborough. Who doesn't like Peterborough? It's a lovely little town, uh, uh, as we've established in the past, very similar to the city I used to call home. Guelph. In fact, is it true? Did we establish this? People like to think they're like sister cities or cousin, whatever the expression is. Is that right? I think of Peterborough as the as the better Guelph for sure. Yes. <laughs> I, I recall this happening the last yeah. time I invoked. Go this. down yes, this path. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, ha- I have no Guelph. I have no Guelph pride now. I'm gone. Yeah. I clearly like if yeah. you. Uh, I'll, I'm with you. Peterborough is great. Yeah, they're both they're both wonderful yeah. cities full of wonderful people. <laughs> they are actually like I really I, I'm I'm totally for it. But Peterborough's nice. the hometown, so that's where I'm at. And and how's your day in Peterborough shaping up thus far? We have this. This is hopefully going to be a highlight. What else is going on? Uh, I've already had a great day. I went to a fifty percent off sale somewhere, and I got a matching citrus themed summer set. Uh, like of a, like a like a shirt with oranges on it and matching shorts with oranges on it, oh. and like I just was in that change room and I'm like, this is summer 2022. 
energy. I'm bringing it in. This is this is the like hot summer masculinity that I'm gonna. <laughs> so I'm, I'm having a great day, Vish. Like that's great. I got a matching set of citrus themed shorts. You know. You know they were saying uh, they have been saying at various points during the pandemic, uh, and it's, it gets proven and disproven that you should uh, you know dose up on vitamin C. But I don't think that's what they meant. Uh, no, just, but but like if they did mean it that way. I just feel like it would still be fine. Like, you're pro- but you've protected yourself. You're fine. You've you've got vitamin yeah, C. No, everywhere. I'm covered. Yeah, no, that's I'm covered good. either way. Lovely to hear it, <laughs> and I'm happy you're you're having a good day. That's great. Thanks, Corm. Uh, Dave, you're there. We heard you interject with your weird Peterborough pride thing that you do. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> it's, it's false pride, anyway. I don't give a care. Um, I yeah, no, I'm just I, I'm at work. I'm uh, just working hard, uh, making things go, and. Uh, I'm having a beautiful day, and I'm so glad nice. to be here with you, too. In which city are you working? Are you also in Peterborough? I'm in Toronto, actually. Toronto, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's a big city. I miss Toronto. I miss things. Even if I were there, though, I don't know that I would access some of the things I miss because of all that's going on. Is it, is it sleepy? Is, how's it feeling in the, in the big smoke? Uh, certainly, I'm living a sleepy life, uh, you know. People are not, and uh, but they. We all need to uh, make make these choices about what will happen if we get sick. For lots of people, it's a few days, and and then they can carry on. For for some folks, depending on their work or their family, uh, you know, there may be yeah. greater consequences. And, and and I'm I'm in that boat. So yeah, me too. Um, I just yeah. want to say I know we got heavy. We'll yeah. we'll try to get us out of this. But I agree, and I'm the same as you. Sleepy. And mm-hmm. uh, what are you going to do? It, it, you it, sleep. It's, it's up and down. You sleep, yeah. You when nap. you're sleepy, you have a little rest. That's right, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's great to uh, talk to both of you again. I haven't seen you in a, at least a couple of years, uh, since certainly since I've left Ontario. I don't remember when uh, the last time was, but it's really nice to see you this way. And I will say as a fan, I'm so happy. There's a Joyful Joyful record. That's so great. So Right away, congratulations! Uh, it's it's wonderful. Uh, for background, uh, you. you've been on the show. You were on the long night talk show version of this podcast, yes. so to speak. Right? That's the only yeah, yeah. time. Some years right, ago. Yeah. yeah, but Carm, uh, you might recall, uh, we captured a, a song. We captured a performance from that uh, evening, and that went out into the world. So that for those, I don't have a lot of like diehard episode by episode fanatics so this <laughs> but i'm sure some people listening have heard uh, might recall that uh, episode but for those who haven't and to catch people up i want to get into the history of this uh, amazing uh, dynamic that you two share Coram, can you uh, and i'm sure dave will interject because he's an interjector Coram, can you talk a little bit about how joyful joyful came together exactly yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny I'm, that you said Dave's an interjector. I feel like Dave and I are actually both interjectors and we have built a friendship on on uh, just insisting upon the things that we need to say to one another, which is great. Yeah, yeah so Joyful Joyful, in, ter- in terms of how it got started, Vish? Well, um, yeah, I know, I, I know a bit of the history. There's some biographical information circulating. Uh, I know a little bit about the radio station stuff. But yeah, I think just for people who don't know how this happened, because it's a very unique configuration. It's a very unique sound. I think, it was, I think, I think my instinct is telling me it's worth talking about 
how it came together. The the origin story. You know, everyone likes an origin story now. They do. I, I mean, I know you. Um, we've established you like an oranges story. That was my. Oh my goodness! That my dad joke. <laughs> I just wanted to get back to the. That was. Bad. That, that was that was a sour. Hey, joke. you're the one making wearing nice. all oranges all the time. You're covered in oranges. I might as well oh. say you like an orange store. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. It's just you started punning, and now I like I, now I'm on a roll in my brain. I'm going a million miles. I know it's not appealing. Okay, anyway, oh. let me let me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna let you win. Sorry about this. Uh, we're falling behind. What? That doesn't even make no sense. Okay, let's get to the juice. How did joyful joy <laughs> come together? Let's get the pulp. Come on. We don't want to be pulp free. We want to tell a story. Seedless. What? Oh. What are the seeds of the joyful, joyful oranges story? Come on. I got them. I got a million of them. Let's go. This is unhinged. Like, if I was going to guess the number of children you have based on that string of puns alone, I'd be like, couple dozen. Yeah. yeah like, I, couple dozen. I, do. I have a, an oranges dozen. Yeah. yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Anyway, aren't you glad I asked that question? Let's get back to it. Let's get back to Joyful Joyful. Absolutely. Go for it. Absolutely. Okay. So we're just we're we're just two two men in love. Uh no, I mean like uh, we're I think that it's hard to talk about Joyful Joyful though without talking about friendship and the beauty of friendship unfolding. These days especially when I want to talk about Joyful Joyful, I want to start by saying that Dave and I are friends. Yeah. And it started very much in a desire for a shared creation and like a bit of a shared intimacy in sound based on mutual regard. Cause I had like, we had heard the things that each other made. Like I heard what the things that Dave was making, very strange things. And Dave heard what I was making. And like, we, we kind of started to, I think want to make things together and we we were all kinds of we're friends in many ways but we became friends musically and as people composing together as well as people who've spent a lot of time together that's a whole Covered other a lot of road together yeah you know? that's a whole other bond uh, yeah that, no it is though yeah yeah so you've got the friendship intertwined with the real passion uh, of a creative enterprise and uh, as we know from rock history, that can either go extremely well or can sour like a bad orange. Anyway, let's go to Dave uh, back. Uh, I didn't mean to call back to the oranges, but now I'm on a roll. Dave, do you dispute anything Cormac just said? No, not at all. I mean, uh, <laughs> it would be strange if I did. Um, be awesome if you did, though. Yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> As you well know, uh, and as you've seen uh, with us together, that there is a clear and abiding bond between us, I think. And uh, that very quickly became apparent on meeting and and being introduced to each other. And um, it took a while of we were both busy with our own lives and try and circling each other and approaching each other and not in a in a scared dog kind of way, but just, you know, we're young people. live in a student-ish life and Cormac let me show up to their house whenever it so pleased me and um, and I would go the downstairs door was always unlocked I would go and leave them notes or this is too, this is too much information I think home. if people know this they're going to go to Peterborough and find Corm's house yeah. be like oh it's like, that, it's like that Michael Moore oh, yeah. movie all Canadians leave their here's the thing though 
like, the thing that's wild about it, though, Vish, is that, like, it's funny because, like, I actually, at the time, I lived a, a very chaotic uh, and beautiful life. I live a beautiful life that is slightly less chaotic now. And, like, the fact that, you know, the door was kind of always unlocked and, like, Dave could come at one in the morning or three in the morning and I would be up. I'd probably be up. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, that's, that's, I think that that's, that's the time that we met each other, you know? Real, real kin, real um, kindred spirits. I, I gather that. And like you alluded to, Dave, like, I'm familiar with your dynamic from seeing it live and hanging out with you a little bit. I know there's that spark. The cliche in music is that musicians uh, have conversations with each other via their instruments. You know, that chemistry is from this communication that happens via sound. Uh, in the live setting, as we've, uh, and I want to, Get, let you frame this, but in my knowledge of what you do, it is a specific kind of live conversational interplay that's happening between the sound you're making, Dave, and the sound mm-hmm. Corm's making. Dave, can you just, uh, I, I've spoken vaguely for people listening, can you home in on what I'm talking about in terms of your actual interplay as players, as, as people making music together? Uh, yeah definitely and uh feel free to draw me out of the weeds when i get in there in 20 seconds or so um (laughs) in our live setup i mean so much of the sound is is coming from cormick's performance so much of the sound beyond just the the uh the actual deliver cormick's delivery and 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 singing in the moment is is so much of our sound is is built from out of that in, in, uh, in the world or worlds that we build are taking Cormac's voice live and, and pushing it in all these directions while Cormac remains, uh, clear and present and whole. Uh, and I think we play to each other and we take time to listen to each other to find out where we go next. Um, and sometimes we know, cause we know these songs, but sometimes we don't quite know. And we are, we, we find it together and, and yeah, that is, that's pretty much a partial answer so, without going too far. No, that's good. Karma. Can you talk a little bit about what Dave is doing from your perspective and what you are doing from your perspective? He, he, he did that. I, I gather that, but from your perspective, just your objective to what Dave is up to over there. And I know I, I, as I recall, when we did this on stage, I tried to get into it. A little bit too and it gets a little technical but it's not like uh just so people are clear dave's not playing like a guitar or no something. i will paint a picture please like, do thank you <laughs> this is the thing right it's like if you saw us on stage or for that matter and crucially if you tried to pack us into a car it is a very compact setup i am not holding an instrument uh, the only thing that i do is to sing when we're performing and dave is standing uh behind a fairly large double-tiered table of uh, like effects pedals and guitar pedals and, and the like. And while I'm singing, my voice is being processed through that whole chain of pedals that Dave has in front of him, among other things. And we have other, there's other elements that we've brought in. There's field recordings, there's um, drones that we've made out of recordings of my voice. There's sometimes I get to do fun things like whistle or play a bell just so that I can feel like I have hands as well as, as lungs. But there's a kind of compactness to it in spite of itself. 
because sonically it's not actually particularly minimal or compact. It's kind of expansive mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and a bit of, of scatteredness or, or whatever. Like we get to, Dave said, you know, we made like world building or like we get to make worlds. And that's kind of what we try to do is try to create something that's enveloping or whatever. So I'm singing like my life depends on it. And that's being transformed and doubled and tripled and amplified and processed and split apart and put back together through all of these pedals that Dave has in front of him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons those of us who have witnessed joyful, joyful are so captivated. And I mean, I've seen people brought to tears, uh, beyond the power of what you're doing. I will say like part of the, an aspect of that power is I think it's just utterly unique I can't think of too many configurations like this or experience. I mean, I've been to three billion concerts. Uh, you know, I have I have lots of records. Joyful, joyful stands out, and I think that's part of why we are so moved by it. And I'm not just uh, trying to overflatter you here. This is the truth. So, what I want to get to a little bit is how you arrived at the, of all the options, conventional musical options you probably had it's very fascinating that you arrived here and that we've all those of us who witnessed it get to see this utterly idiosyncratic special thing um dave can i call upon you to talk about that like why this why this approach to i see what you're i mean with cormac's power i'm sure you were like oh oh this is exciting i I gotta do something good with this we gotta do something good with this but to do what you're doing. Can you talk about your, your, how you got to this musical aesthetic together, Dave? Also, I guarantee I'm going to inter- want to interject. And they like, already did. Also, I know. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I got, well, yeah, I, mean, I got the, inter- I got the interjector wrong. Yeah. I the thought it would be mostly actually, Dave. It's a side project of ours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of people with social anxiety, it's a hard show to, uh, to, uh, bear, but, uh, the how did I I mean how did we I don't know I know like I could talk about how my interests from youth led to somehow to this and but I don't I think really... I think I think that's that's your own orange's story that's your story that that's what I want to get to I want to get to that because I think it's I think the it oranges. is important because something yeah. led you down this path to do this and Please feel free if it means citing influences or things you saw. Go, or... Dave. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I don't know. I, as I, I don't know at what point in my childhood sound struck me, but it did. And I mean, I think probably f- for a lot of people, I can think of two like ancient examples, and maybe uh, there are probably lots of other people who have had this feeling, but maybe didn't follow it for the rest of their life. But I remember, I remember we had this vacuum when I was a child, and it. And it would go back and forth on the carpet. It had a bag. It was brown and white, I think. That's probably not true. I don't remember colors at all. But in my mind, it's brown and white. And it just moaned, like hummed and moaned as it was, as my mom was vacuuming. And it was so, I loved listening to it. I, it was a rich, like must have been a timberly rich sound. And they're like, you know, these, it sounds like it's like a, just like moaning back and forth. But then I would listen, of course, and, and, and it was, and there was never the same sound twice, even though it was the same tones over and over. And, and we also had a dishwasher 
that had a personality in that way and that that had these you know every cycle sounded kind of the same but again these long groans and and moans and uh and and tonally rich and timberly rich sounds that that i remember like that's from when i was very tiny and then for some reason that i have no idea why that struck me but it did and then eventually i was exposed to people who were making music that had something in common with those sounds um Hmm. in my early adolescence and then when i discovered that it was also the time of high piracy online uh mp3 wise and so I just would read and read and read and listen and listen and listen and dream of going to Concordia for their electroacoustics program, which I never did. Um, but that was the where I thought that I would find my way in the world. And then it wasn't until I moved to Peterborough and got my very first radio show, Thank You, Christian Slater, that uh, the show wasn't called Thank You, Christian Slater. But Oh, Pump the, Up the Volume? Is that a reference exactly. to the, the was, film, Pump yeah, Up was, the Volume? Okay. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure where you were going with that one. I, yeah. I guess I was I, sure. Although I th- yeah, <laughs> you were sure, but you weren't sure. Seems out of the out of the blue. But uh, Christian Slater has had a lot of projects. It could have been anything. It could have been. <laughs> oh, I saw True Romance, and he uh, had the radio on in the car the one time. You know, I thought yeah. maybe that's where you were coming from. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> pump up the volume. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I took all my crummy electronics, and I think at some point prior to that, when I was still in in late high school or whatever, I learned about. Uh, no input mixing and feedback loops and I I bought this crummy little realistic rack mixer that had a built-in short delay and I would just feed it into itself and do that forever and hours and then I when I got to Peterborough Trent Radio is a glorious place where if you are convincing and you follow the protocols you just get a radio show and they gave me one and I did live noise for hours for years uh, which kind of helped me to find my way a little bit and then uh, met two very kindred spirits in a, in a band I played guitar and sang in um, uh, a couple of folks named uh, Bennett and Wes and we had a weird beautiful band that we explored a bunch of like normal rock things but also the deep strangeness Cormac's grimacing not grimacing but looking great I'm, not, a- I'm great just aspects. making a face yeah, because yeah. Like if if that if that was normal rock and roll, then uh, I I I'd say check yourself. But yeah. that was a wild band. Yeah. So what, what I what I'm hearing based on Cormac's comment and and how you were struggling for a moment to try to encapsulate what you used to do, yeah. is that uh, Dave, for whatever reason, you were you've been drawn to the margins yeah. of culture and expression. So something, and it might have been because of a vacuum. Yes. Not a vacuum, not a vacuum of uh, like the way we say, like there's where there was a vacuum and th- so we had to, f- or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I live in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. You literally, it was probably like a Hoover vacuum, mm-hmm. not to plug any particular company. <laughs> I'm the same. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm drawn to noise. Uh, mm-hmm. We have now a white yeah. noise machine. Uh, we have a white noise machine and I can't sleep without it now. And I never had one when I was a kid. I used to have music on mm-hmm. and would fall asleep and the tape would stop itself. The tape deck, it wasn't like a, or the CD would stop spinning, and then, but I had to. I, much to the chagrin of my first, uh, you know, dormitory university dormitory roommate, uh, because some of the music was not sleep inducing. Anyway, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the fact that there's a song on this record called uh, Cecilia, right? And mm-hmm. I believe it is. Is that a uh, Cormac? Is that a reference to Saint Cecilia? It is. And Saint Cecilia was the patron of music is that correct or sound she 
She is the patron saint of music, among yeah. other things. So something going on there with all of you and noise and sound. Let me let me just jump ahead to that. Um, and I'm 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 assuming the and probably presumptuously that the delineation of responsibilities is what Dave just described that Dave does. Cormac, are you writing the lyrics uh, that you're singing yourself? I think in some ways the the process has actually become less delineated as time has gone on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And part of that is that I think we have both grown in knowledge of one another's process as well as like confidence in our ability to give feedback to each other. So yeah. typically I'm writing lyrics, but Dave's contributions to lyrics are ever increasing and very helpful. And I would say that my ability to communicate effectively with what it is that I want to hear from Dave and how it is that I want that to happen has also increased. So yeah. And and I don't mean to draw, I don't mean to draw too fine a line to St. Cecilia, but in that song, I I believe, and I have it in front of me here. I don't have a lot of, I don't have any notes in front. Oh yeah. Ostensibly one of the choruses I suppose is bring sound. And, yes. And so I wonder if you can talk about that song, that sentiment as it relates maybe to what you two are doing. If again, forgive me if I'm making connections that aren't there, but what do you what what, what inspired that song and that notion of bring sound and and Saint Cecilia? Why why has all this been conjured in the context of a joyful joyful song? I have so much to say about this Vish. Good, it's a podcast. Um, I need I need to fill time. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so, I mean, I think that this was one of the, this was the second song that we ever wrote is Cecilia. And um, was? that was, yeah, it was. Yeah, we, Marrow, because I had. Marrow is first or Jubilation maybe? Sibaldus. I'm guessing. Oh, Sibaldus. so, sorry, sorry. so the, the first one that we wrote together was Sibaldus. Okay. And we, and Cecilia was, was the second one. Sebaldus uh, so, is also uh, there's a religious figure there. He's also a saint. Saint, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is he's the patron saint invoked against cold. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, um, so there was a time when I I had just been sort of circling around the idea of writing some songs about about some saints, right? And because um, saint mythology is an endlessly deep well. You know, there's like, it's just endless. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes it's, it's boring stuff. It's like, this person was martyred as a virgin, you know, like, and we know yeah. nothing else. And yeah. then there's other ones where it's like, and then he slayed a dragon. Um, and you're like, cool. That sounds there's no, reasonable. There's no, is there dragon slaying in the saint mythology? Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, St. George. Oh, right. Okay. St. George and the dragon. But we you had- know, but that said, St. George is not the only purported dragon slayer. Dragon slaying gets gets bandied around a fair bit in the land of saints. Listen, which is weird because saints are in the last 2,000 years. Never seen a dragon around these parts. I, I've watched Game of Thrones, so I have a sense of what you're talking about. But uh, other than <laughs> that, uh, yep. I'm not I'm not as uh, learned about the saint mythology as I should be, I guess. There is absolutely no, there is no shit here. Like, no I, like and this is the thing that I, that I love in relation to when Davis was telling the story about the vacuum, I was, I had a wave of affection, like just like chest deep for Dave, because like, I also have the vacuum story, but 
for me, like it was like I would I would turn on the microwave and sing along to the drone of the microwave. Right. Wow. There are the notes on my phone, like the or the, the like the sound notes. So many of them are me just singing along with construction, like construction sites, like so many machines in our world, yeah. traffic or even highways. They've got pitches, right? Yeah. And I was so fascinated with that when I was a kid. Um, well, this, this is very. Uh, this recalls like early uh, Velvet Underground explorations and and what people yeah. like John Cale were interested in the the ambient noise, if you will. But really, it's the sound of the world mm-hmm. uh, yes. that, that you're trying to harness and capture, like record maybe, but also try to replicate uh, in your but, instrumentation. But also, like it's not even. It's interesting how it's interesting the language we use around this, right? to harness, to capture. Mm-hmm. There's this, there's almost this thing around like animal husbandry that we think about in relation to sound. I don't want to well, do it it has anything. To, it's, it's, I think it's also commodification. Like basically the sure. thing that we, the, the field recording that you hear, uh, you must capture it mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and, and freeze it uh, yeah. as evidence of something, but then ultimately it will be commodified. And that's how records started being made. Is totally. that people figured out, oh, people really enjoy this thing when they come to it or witness it. Imagine the market we'd have if we could freeze it and they could take it home with them. And that was my uh, How the Record Industry Began 101 lesson that I wanted to share with you. But I mean, yes, I agree with you. It is weird language. But it I mean, is... like it's, But I say that not because I'm like, oh, it's, you don't use that language. It's just that like, it's no, no, an but interesting I mean... thing because like you've got... This love, like, I think that the weird thing is that, like, there seems, for me, in relation to to bring sound, right? Yeah, yeah. There's at least three ideas there. One is that sound is already present. Like, right now, sirens going off around me, whatever, my chair's creaking, and we're just surrounded by sound. Mm-hmm. Um, thing number two is a deep and abiding and completely non-volitional love of sound like i love the sounds i hear and i am like moved by them and i how like how do i how do i show love for sound and then the thing is too it's like okay so how do i i think with that other thing with bring sound is like how do i add to it you know i've talked about before this idea this very like irish old irish idea of the sound song being in the world and the singer just tapping into something that's already there. And I think one of the joys about recognizing and making a record of ambient sound and record as in like an archive, right? Yeah, a Um, document, a document, yeah. Yeah, a document, to make a document of sound that already exists. I think that's one of the things that's neat about ambient sound or like the sounds of the world or of machines or things like that is that it's just it's just already there. So how do we how do we move with it that in a way that I think shows the deep love that I have for that kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that like, even the drones, like, like I'm drawn to drone music. Cause like, you know, like I love, I love traditional music. I love, I love like, you know, like a lot of Irish music, Scottish music, East coast music, and all these kind of traditional drone music. But like, where do you find drones in the wild? It's like machines. That's where you hear drones in the wild. If I go to, if I go to my porch right now in Edmonton, Mm -hmm. I will hear a sound. I will, will hear the drone. I will hear the drone of traffic or whatever else is making the sound. And yeah. so, yeah. I, and I mean, for some of us, 
that is a signal that connects us to the world. For some of us, that's an intrusion, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. an imposition, depending on the hour of day. If you hear the, you know, when the garbage trucks come in the morning, <laughs> that's yeah, not sure. necessarily a sound you welcome, but it's sound. And so all this to say, I appreciate your relationship with sound. And I appreciate your acknowledgement of and devotion to sound. And you call upon it. And those of us who have witnessed that particular song, it stirs something in us. And you're con- Is it too far a thing to say, uh, uh, Cormac, that you're conjuring something when you say this? I think that there's something like... I also like that turn in the song because it's this moment where also my voice becomes super affected in a way that like, so we've dropped it down a couple of octaves. There's a weird note thrown in there. And so I sound like this kind of like, there's this kind of slight monstrousness mm-hmm. to it where it's sort of like, where yeah. things get a little bit spooky. Otherworldly at least. Yeah. 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 And so like, for sure, like there's something where it's sort of like, this is much, much bigger and maybe a bit more elemental yeah. than mm-hmm. everyday life anyway, or it feels yeah. that way. There's a again. I don't mean to invoke cliches, but when people have seen Joyful, Joyful, I think I've heard them. I've and conversed with people who say, "Oh, that was like church. Like that. That was like a religious experience." Because like mm-hmm. I, I've literally seen hardened men in tears. Uh, things I, I've been uh, some. I'm thinking of an example of someone who. <laughs> I know that he is an emotional powder keg or whatever, but I also have been to a trillion things and I've never so moved he had to leave, like so moved he he couldn't take it. So there's this, and and like I say, that uh, connection to church or some spiritual upheaval has occurred in people it fascinates me, uh, and 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 it wasn't really until I the record was packaged together and I've got all the biographical information and I can read the lyrics that it it really, really dawned on me maybe how connected it is to that, that spiritual idea. Um, or the, like it's felt spiritually lifting to me, uplifting to me as well. Um, I don't cry unless my cat passes away or my children do something sweet. Uh, no, I've been moved on that level too. But in seeing it in, in the record, uh, uh, seeing the lyrics and, 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 and reading what you've written about what the record is, the narrative of the record, the connection to church seems a bit more clear to me. And I want you to scrutinize what I've just said as much as you want to and figure out what, what I'm getting at. But before I do that, Dave, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Dave first. Are there spiritual or religious conversations that you and Cormac have had? Uh, do you have any yourself, any particular... Uh, connection to uh, that mode of devotion? We have had m- many conversations. We, in some ways, believe very different things. Um, but I think in other ways, very concretely, in a sense, uh, maybe that's really the, the wrong word, but uh, we'll find out what I meant by that, I guess, together. Um, <laughs> uh, the, some well, allusion to the are... construction company you guys... Yeah, very, running, yeah very, uh... the company's actually called very concretely. I was actually just going somewhere about to pitch uh, <laughs> one of our many is, uh, endeavors. What, yeah. All the podcasts now have these midstream ads, and that was Dave's. Mm-hmm. For we the do a lot company. of foundation work. Uh, mm-hmm. So foundational, church, it's foundational work. Is crumbling. Uh, yeah. No, um, we do. We believe very, very different things, but so we talk about it a lot. Um, and 
but I think we will get to what our, we have some very deeply held shared beliefs as well. Um, less so about what is greater than us, but more about what is shared between uh, all of us as human beings, um, I think is what we, what we share more. There's some infrastructural church stuff happening. I feel like there's some acknowledgement that Sorry, in the in the biographical info, mm-hmm. Cormac, does it suggest you were ex, ex, exiled from the church? Is that correct? Am I getting that right? Yeah. I mean, like, I've often described the church or Christianity or the scriptures as a very, for me, it's a very, very deep well. You know, it's kind of like the saints, right? It's sort of endless. And so, yeah, I uh, I had an experience where when I was a teenager, I was a, you know, I should like make a pulp book of like, I was a teen fundamentalist. Um, and I was, I was very, very born again. I wasn't raised particularly religi- religious, but uh, between the ages of 15 and 21, give or take, I was really... Um, Became a born very, again. Very yeah. Born again and uh, very evangelical, charismatic uh, Christian and, um, but absolutely could not belong in that world for very long it was so when i was exiled from that world it was because i came out and it was right in the middle of the kind of culture wars around like uh same-sex marriage in canada and things like that and i i think i was just made an example of in a lot of ways Mm. the born again period uh do you have a sense of what prompted that that's it's an interesting turn of phrase i've had friends who've who've done this gone through this where I'm thinking of a friend of mine in particular uh, who was a little wild in high school. Um, and then towards the end, something happened. Some reckoning occurred that I'd, I'm not totally privy to. And they became a born-again Christian and everything changed. They were going and doing like world vision missionary work. And uh, instead of dating a lot, had that was all gone. And I, I never knew... We did have a conversation about it as when we were adults, but I never knew at the time what had happened. And sorry, I don't mean to pry either, but do you have a sense of... <laughs> to be born again, I think, is to... First of all, it's to realign your life, but it's to commit so greatly to something and then to be rejected by that thing because of who you are. I can't imagine the knot of emotions there. I can't imagine the frustration there. I think some of it comes through in what you're expressing in your music, but... Again, I don't mean to pry, but it might be germane. Can you, you talk about... You can pry. Like, I think that, like, maybe, like, 10 minutes ago, you are like, this is a podcast. I need to fill it up somehow. But, like, <laughs> I, I will happily answer any questions about that stuff. I think also because, okay. because it also... I think that it's something that people are curious about. And I also think that, I don't know, people got to talk about, you know, like, weird, queer religious trauma and like whatever that's cool um well you're also we're getting at the it's a relationship like you are in love with an institution and what it symbolizes they loved you back and then they stopped yeah i think that's that that is the fodder for poetry and songs and (laughs) you know this kind of therapeutic reflective exercise like I, i feel like am i wrong i mean this these experiences do fuel some of your work yeah so i'll get i'll tell you a couple of things that were are interesting about me being a teen fundamentalist um the first is that i was always 
I, I and this is something I talk about, you know, in, in my job too. It's like, you know, I was always queer and I was always trans. If you look at pictures of me when I was like a little kid, it's like, I look like I do, you know, I'm just a little bruiser and like, but also, you know, that makes for a painful rural childhood. And I, I was as strange then as I am now with less social skills. And, uh, the way that I became a Christian is also an expression of queerness, right? Like in that I had this kind of sort of mystical, there, John Wesley uh, describes it as a heart strangely warmed. Uh, like I had this mystical experience, uh, which then led to an immersion in a very tight knit, spiritually intimate community. So like when I became a born again Christian, I did that as a queer person living a queer life, even though I didn't know I was gay or trans, like I didn't know those things about myself, but that doesn't change that that's who I was. And the, some of the reasons that I was drawn to this sort of strange experience, not most teens don't have that as their experience is because I was queer, right? And like, it was a queer way to be a teenager in a lot of ways is to be just like face deep in this world, right? And then what it also meant was that I had a way to make sense of the world, which was very, very rigid at the time, uh, which simplified some things for me, which would have been complicated for sure. And then also what it meant though, that was that I was steeped in this like beautiful, beautiful scripture, right? Like this kind of tradition of literature, both in terms of music, sacred music, uh, scripture, and, uh, and then commentary and saints and things like that. And a community that was like incredibly, incredibly involved and intimate provided that you uh, were able to adhere to its norms. Well, that's what I wondered about because as an alienated or uh, uh, someone who feels estranged or isolated, I assume you're drawn to things like scripture and that community because it's a shared way of thinking. Of course, it's a, it, it's it's a way it's an entry point into a community. Absolutely. To, we all agree we all agree that it's like society. We all agree that there are laws that bind us together and social decorum, which by the way I think has completely crumbled now because of the last few years, but my point is uh so I'm gather, I would think there are lots of people now younger than us who have gone or are, who feel like they're going through what you went through sure. and they're searching and they're searching for things. Well, and and part of searching for community is experimenting and trying things out, I think. Yeah. Uh, a little bit like trying to find it. And if this fits oh, this, I tried this. I didn't like it or they're weird. I didn't like it. Um, but it seems to me that you did that sort of exercise and found your people. Yeah. But then you were, rejected. Yeah. And one of the things is because I, I also identify as a convert, right? I, I have yeah. the experience of having been a convert. Um, and there's nothing that an evangelical tradition, regardless of what religious tradition it comes from, there's nothing that an evangelical tradition loves more than a convert, right? So mm. not only mm. was I a teen fundamentalist, I was an exemplary teen fundamentalist because in an evangelical tradition, a convert is is an evidence of the purpose of why you are here. Um, so mm. being a teen mm. convert in that community meant that I actually had a very, very particular place 
Uh, and the people around me who were also teen converts, it's like, it's not that we were totally uncommon, but like we were examples. We were seen as kind of being uh, evidence. We were seen as being, you know, kind of the purpose of why people were there. Right. So, yeah, you know, yeah. so, and also there's to some extent a higher standard, right? Because like our point of entry wasn't through our families. So what that meant is that our, our point of like the way that we stayed was through adherence to the norms. Right. right? Um, and shared belief rather than shared family or things like that. I don't know if this is the road I can take us down, but it's as you're speaking, it occurs to me that evangelical Christians are of the belief that homosexuality is something that they're they're worried that their children will be converted into homosexuals, and the, the hypocrisy there is just occurring to me. Yeah, because you're right. A lot of religious sects are like, we need more people if we're going to keep sustaining this thing so we got to convert people into christians or buddhists or hindus or whatever i'm i'm i shouldn't have lumped my people in with that the hindus but uh <laughs> but you know what i mean there's this constant like we need to keep the team going i think we need to keep the team thing going too, where it's like we we make we make sometimes there's a thing where it's like we make god in our own image and we make other people in our own image yes. too so if you are a person right. if you're a person or a people group that believes that your own actions are going to change the course of somebody's soul's history it's like that like you can yeah. influence and so that somebody can be converted of course you believe that other people are maybe trying to do that like, like, they, like yeah. it's very, yeah, yeah. it's very, it was very much a worldview that believed that there was teams, you know, and like we were on the. It's all, it's all up, like it's all polarization and oppositional, and I get that part of it too. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, this isn't maybe that groundbreaking a thought. It's just sometimes when you're like, what is the motivation behind what some team, if you will, political party, religious group, what is their motivation here, and what are they really angry at, and I. I've said this ad nauseum about when I might, if I'm angry at my children about something they're doing or behave the way they're behaving, I'm often angry. I realize I'm angry at myself mm. because they're little reflections of me. Yeah. And they're, they're acting the way I act. And I don't, I'm not always self aware enough to know, like, oh, that's actually, they're doing that because I do that. I think that's what we're getting at. I think a lot of anger and rage is, uh, is because at, at others is because they're kind of like you yeah and they're doing something like you but for their own purposes anyway again maybe i'm i'm not saying anything particularly profound but i appreciate that context and you alluded to the fact that when you get to that part in cecilia with the bring sound mm-hmm. part your voice is modulated something happens and that's dave so dave you've got this um role to play uh it's like a weird you're like the director of a narrative in a sense i i would say like you're producing cormac and the emotional tenor of the lyrics with your sound manipulation is that is that true on any level i mean more true might be that if i err then i could undermine everything that is happening so easily Okay, that, and it's not that that's not how I approach the performance or anything, but but it is not right. that I would not say that I am performing my aspect of the music and shaping the sound beyond the purity of Cormac's voice, but uh, I don't know that I am. I don't know where the responsibility for the effect of the music. Uh, oh, that's a different conversation. Effect, but uh, uh, where the responsibility goes or comes from. I feel like you're gently bristling at the notion that you might be a producer. Well, no, because when I think of a producer, um, I think of like, I mean, Karmic, Karmic is 
their own man. Like Cormac is, sure. you know, like I'm, I, when I think of a producer, then I think of more than just shaping the sound, but shaping the, the direction of the, of the whole band and of the whole night. And, and maybe my, my definition is different than yours is what I'm seeing on your face. Well, I no, I, all I was thinking of is like, uh, hip hop duos, mm-hmm. like, uh, DJ Premier and Guru or Eric B and Rakim or whomever. I, I went old school. But yes, you have the DJ and you have the MC. You have the mm-hmm. vocalizer and you have the person basically creating the, the soundscape. Mm-hmm. And on some level, we call them DJs. They often call themselves DJs. Mm-hmm. They're basically producers. So I'm just trying to clarify where I'm coming from. They are the producer. Whether they made the beat in a live setting, they're the ones setting the tone and producing the experience and the MC, depending on their mood, the, the the vocalizer, depending on their feeling, can stick to that script that they've done a million mm-hmm. nights in a row, or they can read the room and do something. And the and the DJ slash producer could do the same. So what I'm getting at, Dave, is you are like DJ Premier. Mm-hmm. And that's how we that's, talk about that's, ourselves, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I, I think you're basically the gang star of ambient drone noise <laughs> church music. Is what that that should be the blurb on the sticker of the record. That's uh, we, we did actually we pitched that to the label, but uh, they so, uh, <laughs> uh, too wordy. It was too too wordy. It was their yeah. their feedback. I think. I mean, I think this, of my role yeah. in live the live performance maybe in two ways. Although this is a new thought to me, so let's find out how real it is. Um, one is that I think of myself as a technician uh, and I am performing yeah. a series of moves because the songs have parts and for the most part in those parts I am replicating a series of physical movements that I have done before and the sound itself changes is not always the same but the goal is at certain points as we say in Bring Sound when Cormac's voice drops an octave a fifth and then two octaves in a fifth or so I think that's approximately what it is fourth and fourth doesn't matter this is not my forte. She's trying uh, to get you out of the weeds. You t- ask me to step no, in every can't. once in a while. I live, I can't. I live in the weeds. You're just gonna, you're gonna do fractions for the rest of the interview? Okay, got yeah, it. No, serious, yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, if you can just give me a moment <laughs> to finish the equation I'm just writing here. It's but the Goodwill the, Hunting segment think, of the show. So the one part is, yeah, technician, I think, of, uh, of it. But then I'm also, at the same time, I don't know what the, what it is, because yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the moves, but then I'm also just listening and trying to hear what is right and to hear what comes next and not like to to anticipate it but just to like when we say bring sound to me it's like let it come not yeah. like we are carrying yeah. sound to you but we're letting it come yeah yeah and like it's like and yeah. so that's how i feel about the other the other part of of my performance is not just the technical moves but the attentiveness and the in the response and the pursuit without knowing quite where i'm going to yeah find, and that's to try to find the way it's why I used the phrase conjuring earlier because I do think it's not mm. it's not necessarily calling upon it uh it is it is enhancing it in the in the space that it's in already or something I don't know how else to say it yeah uh, uh, to, to me almost conjuring has uh as it is as if it is our will and to me it does not feel like a willful I, that's I, yeah i I was stumbling to try to say just that so thank you. Mm-hmm. Dave, uh, for your a great interjection, that was a good one. Great. I appreciate <laughs> it's it. It's one of the good ones. Quorum, so you four were, fifths I, of. Don't uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, please stop. I, 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 it's like a recipe for disaster at this point. All yes. your fractions. Anyway, uh, <laughs> nice. Cormac, you had your hand up at one point. Did you want to say anything about? 
this? Listen, th- thank you for acknowledging my great restraint because I really wanted to interject with excitement. Um, but I think it, it was because I, I wanted to take a second to talk about how I feel about what Dave does too, which is that we couldn't do what we're doing without without Dave, right? That, you yeah. know, I, I love to sing and I've sung in lots of different lots of different bands, configurations, things like this. And Joyful Joyful is the closest I think I've ever gotten to consistently being able to externalize the things that I hear in my head and in my body. And some of those limitations are that I uh, like I can't I don't I can't read music when I'm singing a note I don't know what note I'm singing and that's not it's not a point of pride but it's true and what that means is that I'm limited in my commun- in my ability to communicate sometimes uh, to other musicians and it takes somebody who I've worked very well with many very talented musicians who have been able to intuit what I've meant um, or have been able to be patient with me when I'm like I need to, where I know what I want to hear and I don't know what it is. So I need them to play five things and I go, no, no, yes. Like until I've heard the thing. And the thing that's remarkable about Dave is that because he's also drawn to sounds that are not necessarily beautiful, uh, but are interesting or whatever, often he will start with something that is really interesting to me that I can work with. But also like Dave is amazingly sensitive to very, very small changes in sound and like very small suggestions in terms of like, I'm like, not this, but I'm feeling something in this direction or whatever. And like, so like Dave and I composing together is something that it just feels like in some ways the greatest gift of my yeah. life because all of these things that I hope to hear and have wanted to hear for so long. Uh, all of a sudden I get to hear these things, right? Yeah, because so, you know why? Yeah. Because Dave is a producer and I am just going <laughs> to double down on that. That's what a producer is supposed to do. It's supposed to help you fulfill a vision, um, a sonic vision, if you will. And I think that's where, that's where sure. I'm coming from. And I appreciate that you maybe, okay, Dave, I'll give you this. You're a co-producer. I, I can see you even bristling at the distinction. Like, I don't do this by myself. You are. And I also can hear in your voice the the desire to shirk some responsibility so that if things go wrong, you can't be blamed. So I'm going to give you this. You are both. That is <laughs> unfair. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's, it's unfair a, assessment. It's a go joke. Ahead, it's a joke. I just, I yeah, think yeah. That I, I would be the same. No, we do this together. This is a full-on collaboration. I think it's too hoity-toity to call me a producer, but I think that's what we're getting at. And also, uh, the underlying subtext, uh, we like you, Dave. I like you. Cormac loves you. <laughs> like, you like it's That's just, yeah. that's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, again, I want to... We've given people, I think, a taste of this record. I hope they, they check it out. Again, congratulations. It is, as far as I can tell, it's a self-titled release. Out on E-Day Fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is it out again there, Dave? Do you know? April 29th, 2022. There you go. Mm-hmm. Thank you for putting the year in mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I do that. And I think... It's been a long time. <laughs> it has. How long have you been working on this? It it's has. Been, we started working on it um, well, six years ago. It was when we the very first time we recorded, I think. Is that true? Maybe five, five or six years ago was the, the, when true. we did yeah. our first recording session. And it took we recorded over a space of a few years. And but it's not that's not how long we've we known each other that long, roughly. No, okay. 
four close, years. Though. Oh no, it is close. You know, it's yeah. close. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that I didn't. Wow. It's just going by so fast. I haven't huh. been keeping track of the the days and the hours and the years since the I would not pandemic yeah. started. Basically, anyway. Yeah. This is very exciting news. So, uh, Cormac, if people want to learn more about Joyful Joyful and, and accessing this record, and I don't mean to put the pressure on you if you don't know all the earls, but can you uh, direct people to following you on social media and the internet generally? Dave, Dave. yeah, I, I, yeah um, I figured that was going to happen. Because <laughs> he's the producer. Um. <laughs> it's just that, like, the funny thing is that, like... Dave, Dave and I both are 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 in some ways atypical of mind and uh, and keeping on hanging on to the things that are the details is something that I, unfairly sometimes I offload onto Dave, uh, which is. Fair, I think uh, I think uh, Dave is someone when you have someone like that, like Dave, they have that detail oriented mind. He does. They, I feel it like, wasn't it, Dave? Aren't you the one who reached out to me about this whole yes. conversation to initiate 100%. things? One hundred percent. Dave's the organizer. That's how it is. Sometimes you need a person like Sometimes that you need a uh, in your midst. You need a producer. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Where f- can people go? Uh, Instagram, that joyful sound. I think. No, I think I know is the handle on Instagram and Facebook. And joyfuljoyful.xyz is the website. And uh, Idefix Records. XYZ. Yeah. Dot XYZ. Sure. I've never heard it's of that. It's XYZ, actually, in Canada, yeah. XYZ. Oh, XYZ. Oh, it's Canadian. Okay, sorry. It's XYZ. Sorry. I didn't know that was a thing you could get now. That sounds cool. It was available. <laughs> okay. Okay, so those are the... the I'll, I'll link to all this stuff in the in the pod description, too. And yes, it's out on eDay Fix. I'm so happy. I love that label, and I'm so happy uh, you found a, a home there as well. As well. So uh, f- you should be. Future plans in this... Bizarre, ever-changing hellscape yes, shows. On, anything like that? Anything coming up, Corm or Dave? Sorry, Dave. Dave. I, would I mean, know. to be fair, I I low-key do know this one partially because I'm okay. so jazzed. So we are going to play a bunch of shows uh, this summer, and that is the abiding hope. Um, I mean, uh, I, obviously, at this point, we need to say, you know, like I, if there's an apocalypse, no, we won't. Uh, but you know, that was always going to be the case. And so, yeah, we're playing on touring this summer in Canada, and I think getting back to doing what we like to do the most, which is to play as much as humanly possible, mm-hmm. uh, because that is what we love best. Um, Dave, do we have any specific uh, dates that we can share or no? Yeah, I mean, as of uh, uh, as of right now, uh, we are... We have a couple of shows, one at the end of June, um, one at the beginning of July, and then we're hoping to tour uh, either, hopefully all the way to Newfoundland uh, at the end of July into August and then back into Ontario. Um, We may not make it that far. We might just end up in Nova Scotia PEI, but we're going to go if we are able to go. Nice. Um, And yeah, is our dream. That's great. Okay, so people can follow uh, the various links we just alluded to. That XYZ one in particular, probably for mm-hmm. tour dates and whatnot. Uh, I can't well. believe I said Z. It's okay. It's it's, we've all been Americanized. Anyway, uh, that's a whole other tangent. If there's a, <laughs> if there's a song from uh, this release that we can go out on, I wonder... Okay, so again, this happens from time to time. I have two people here. I'm going to go to Cormac to pick. Dave, you have veto power. If you don't like wow. the choice... Mm-hmm. Guess what you can do? You can interject, and then we can have a, a minor debate 
until we get to the song we mm-hmm. all have consensus on. I feel like that's not going to happen given the relationships here, the dynamics, but who knows? Cormac, can you please choose a song for us to go out on right now and tell us why you chose it? I think we're going to go out on Cecilia because we've been talking about it so much. And because if you want to sort of get a sense of the strangeness, the sounds, the weird references to various like mystical Christian nonsense and uh, heartbreak and all manner of things, and also maybe hear us have love between us, listen to that one. Okay. I I agree. Dave? I agree. That is fine choice. <laughs> okay, let's go out on that uh, right now. This is a beautiful song by Joyful Joyful called Cecilia from their uh, wonderful and new self-titled album. Cormac, Dave, I love you both very much. I thank you very much for this time. I hope you enjoyed yourselves, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fish. It is a real blessing to be here with you. We love you yeah. as well. We really do. You're a gem. <laughs> what? I'm going sure. It's driving me. Yeah. Kill it. If man would turn to man in understand, extend his hand and say.
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, that was a lovely one for me. I really want to thank uh, Dave and Cormac for being back on this show to talk about Joyful Joyful. I love Joyful Joyful. It fills me with joy. So thank you so much again, Dave, Cormac, for appearing on this, the 683rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. Uh, that keeps the podcast going in terms of money, really. That's the main source of income for the show is the Patreon. $6 or more American grants you access to exclusive content. Uh, some of it derived from uh, fresh interviews. Some of it derived from my past audio archive of interviews with some prominent people and interesting conversations that I've had in the, my life that preceded this podcast. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's the best way to support the show financially. Patreon.com slash creative control. And for your generosity, if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon 
and I'll get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf in Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, local businesses there, and also Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. All of them uh, provide in-kind support for this show. And if you have local businesses in your neck of the woods, please support them. Go go, go to them. Don't go to anyone else if you can help it. They're, they're right there. They, they like you. You like them. That's the way I hope it works. I also want to thank Jim Guthrie for uh, lending me some music that I use on the show. Uh, he's a friend of mine. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Joyful Joyful. I hope you will check out their album, having heard some of these uh, bits of their music here. Or I guess you heard a whole song. And uh, from this conversation, I hope you uh, were compelled. I really love them. And thanks also for subscribing to this podcast and following it and and telling your friends all about it and spreading the word about it. That helps. Uh, It's been happening more and more lately, which is nice to see and hear. So thank you for the the nice notes. Sorry if I'm late getting back to you. I'm just a person. There's a lot going on. Doing my best. Anyway, thank you so much. I will talk to you very soon. Be well. Be safe. Be courteous. Thank you very much. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.